You're now listening to the Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Co-op Podcast, episode 201. I'm your host, Richard Bailey Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? Good afternoon. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing excellent on this uh, Sunday afternoon. <laughs> uh, we're also joined by Mr. Jake James Lugo. How's it going, Mr. Lugo? I'm doing good, Rich. Uh, we mean you've been talking a lot on a, on a bunch of shows and stuff, but we'll get into that, and I guess in a bit because we got a lot to cover today. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Uh, and we are joined by Mr. Max Muller. How's it going, Max? It's going good, and as always, happy to be back for another week. Absolutely. So you know, as Mr. Lugo has already said, there's definitely a lot to discuss this week, but. Obviously, you know, everybody already knows how we normally start our show. We're going to let you know what we have been playing. So, uh, Max, how about you go first and let us know what you've been playing? Um, the usual Rocket League and a bit of Halo 5 I got in since the season's restarted and I need to get ranked again. But other than that, lots and lots of Mass Effect. I finally was able to meet the new race. And I don't want to say I'm disappointed with them, but I expected them to be a bit different like they're just kind of the same as all the other races in the games they look a bit different but like the way they act and talk and kind of their lifestyles and everything but then i was playing through for a little bit and actually there was a comment made in the game by one of the angarans that made me think oh that's kind of interesting the angarans were asking um, my character and people from the milky way galaxy they were like so what's life back like in the milky way galaxy and the krogan goes and he's like yeah, basically a bunch of aliens just trying to kill each other over stupid shit. And the Angaran said, huh, it's pretty much the same thing here. So I wonder if Bioware, like, kind of intentionally made it similar to be like, yo, just because it's new aliens doesn't mean, like, we don't all have these kind of similar problems and everything like that. And I thought that was kind of interesting. I may be looking into it a bit too much, but Bioware did write that dialogue, so maybe there was something there. I don't know, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I I do also like uh, the fact that they they uh, make it a point to make you feel like an alien, like people like refer to you and and humans as aliens and stuff, and that's pretty cool because like I feel like in a lot of like space kind of uh, stories and games and stuff, like there isn't enough emphasis on the fact that humans are aliens as well, like to other alien races and stuff. So yeah, I think that aspect of it is cool which are very, very cool. I like seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, uh, one question I did want to ask very quickly. Uh, so are a lot of people still playing Halo 5? Because I was under the impression that maybe some people might, might, might have dropped off. Uh, I don't. They don't really have a player counter, if I'm not mistaken. I doubt it's a whole bunch of people. It's really probably just like the dedicated players who jump on like every day or every time there's a new season. Like I haven't even played it in probably a month, but because there was a new season and I had an hour to kill, I figured I'll jump on. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
figured I'll jump on and get a few rounds in. And a lot of the people that do play now, they're like pretty good. So I have to imagine it's just the small group of people that still just play it all the time. Then there are like Warzone and everything, which I don't really touch that I'm sure there are a decent amount of players in. But no, it's nowhere near like the prime it was back in like Halo 3 and everything like that. But I think it's doing much better than Halo 4 did, where they dropped off to like 20,000 players uh, pretty quickly. But um, I think it's at an okay rate. It's nowhere near as good as it used to be, though. That's a low. As I said before, um, I believe the multiplayer is the best part of Halo 5. Uh, Story is, you know, people already know what I think about the story. I'm not going to get into that right now, but glad to hear that there are still some people playing. Maybe I will check that out when I have some some time. Oh, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, sounds good. So uh, yeah, played quite a bit. So all great, all great stuff. Um, so let's go on to Mr. Lugo. Let us know what you've been playing. Uh, basically, like what we talked about yesterday, I've been mostly playing Persona Five. Uh, the review we have up on the site right now, it's a uh, hundred. It's the first game I, that in the time that I've been writing for the Coalition that I've scored a hundred, and for a very good reason. For a number of different uh, points that I made. Not just in the review, the written review that you guys can see now, but me and you, Rich, had a discussion about it yesterday where we talked about Persona 5. It's up on now on the YouTube channel that you guys can check out after the co-op. I've been playing that, and I feel like I'm going to be playing that for quite some time. Um, I've also been playing Has Been Heroes, and I'm trying to get a review up this week for the game, but there's been a number of different hiccups besides all the big releases that have been coming up, so definitely expect that this week. It's probably going to be later on in the week because we got some stuff happening earlier this week, at least with me, that's going down. Uh, Besides that, I've been playing Drawn to Death. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Drawn to Death because it's there's been a number of different things going on with this game. A lot of people haven't been receiving it very well for for, uh, a couple of different reasons. Mainly being uh, Drawn to Death has a lot of technical problems with it. And it has to do not only with the online connections, I think that the online uh, stability for the different multiplayer matches you get into. They're very hit or miss. I know I've had a number of problems trying to play the game online. I even reached out to David Jaffe, and he was kind enough to at least to respond to me. And it seems like he's going through a headache, as well as the rest of his studio over there, you know, dealing with some of the problems that have been popping up with Drawn to Death. Uh, A lot of people have been marking it down or giving it kind of subpar, if not negative, reviews because of not just the the technical issues that the game's been having, but also the content of the game. A lot of people are saying that the game is very mean-spirited, and I could kind of agree with that, where it almost condescends you, and not in a fun, joking way, but in a way where it's just like just trying to be edgy. And I could, I could get, understand that argument, but even when you get past that, I think the real reason why Drawn to Death hasn't really been successful is because it's just not fun to play with all the different problems that keep popping up. Uh, one, there was one time I even sh- sent a tweet over to David Jaffe where I told him that I got locked up in the loading screen after I was playing a duel. I was playing a brawl. It was a one-on-one matchup against another person online, and the other person rage quit. They, they just quit out the match early, and it locked me up in the loading screen. I was there for like a good while before I had to restart the game, go back to my dashboard, and relaunch it. And it was just one problem after another that kept popping up. It, there, a lot of people have been complaining about how you can't do enough damage with some of the weapons, which is totally understandable. I, immediately, some of the weapons that I've kind of been trying to use or unlock haven't really been all that great. It's been a lot of different things that I feel like are going to get patched. They're going to get adjusted. But for right now, they just had a very rocky launch at this point. 
but that those are really the the main games I've been playing at this point in time. I, I, most of my time has just been devoted back to Persona Five, so it, it's really the game that's been pulling me away from a lot of other stuff for one reason or another, and it's just deservedly so. Right now, for me, Persona is that game of 2017. It's it's just that well designed, that that good. It's that much fun for me. Uh, and I detail all that in my review and in our discussion that we had. So I encourage you guys to check it out. If you're in the chat, you know, take some time, check it out after the co-op because there's a lot of stuff to unpack with that game. Yeah, I'm also going to recommend that everyone does check out that discussion. We we are going to talk about Persona 5 a little bit today as well because it's a particular topic that we want to address. But yeah, check out that discussion for more on the game. Uh, as for Drawn to Death, uh, very unfortunate to hear this because I was hoping that the game was going to be uh, somewhat good, but um, this is just not good news. I, I like David Jaffe, but uh, you know, it seems like he can't uh, have another successful game quite like. To his credit, before. to his credit, it should be stated very, very much so, underscored is that he actually responds to a lot of the people that are tweeting out at him. That, that's one of the cool things about David Jaffe. I've met David Jaffe probably two times now. Uh, the second time re- was more recent at PlayStation Experience, and it, he was showing off uh, Drawn to Death at the time. And I think the concept of Drawn to Death as a multiplayer, third-person uh, arena shooter is fun. I think it's good, and I think it's interesting with the aesthetic. The problem is is all these other technical problems that just bog down the experience. And then I think more so the 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 mean nature the mean spiritedness of like a lot of the the dialogue and the characters and stuff i don't think it's so much where the game's really trying to be condescending to you i think a lot of people just get rubbed the wrong way because of that on top of all these other issues so it just makes it that much more worse for some people overall i think that this is the type of game that's more in line with jaffe's work very similar to god of war even as far as like the way that it's supposed to be edgy it's supposed to be like in your face smash mouth and stuff but if they could get a lot of those technical issues right or fixed up and adjusted and patched up with the way that the damage is dealt the way that the matchmaking goes about the way that some of the weapons are designed as far as like their their damage output and their values and such um they they could have a much better handled game but so far it's just been very rocky for them yeah that's that that actually was going to be another question i was going to ask if you think uh you know if it has the right support over time it could become a better game because there's quite a bit of games that, that have had better support and have become better, such as uh, Rainbow Six Siege. Obviously, this is a different type of game, but yeah. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. I mean, it just came out. It, it is free on uh, play for PlayStation Plus owners, so I know I downloaded it. I haven't had a chance to play it, but uh, hopefully it does get uh, some much-needed uh, fixes and becomes a better game uh, over time. Uh, we'll see. Uh, so, uh, Gary, how about you let us know what you've been playing? Yeah, so of course I've been playing Overwatch, and uh, right now I'm eagerly anticipating the, the April event that's coming up. Um, there hasn't, there isn't much known about it, but the costumes did get leaked because there was a, a comic that came out and it had like all the like new skins and stuff for for the characters and then um most recently there was like a leaked image directly from like uh, the xbox that showed some of the skins as well like in in gameplay graphics kind of thing so i'm pretty sure that's coming up this week maybe um so i'm looking forward to that and um besides that just been playing uh, mass effect andromeda and um yeah there's a new patch out we're going to talk a bit about that later but um yeah at the moment like 
it's like there's just too much to do in this game like i'm i'm at the point where i kind of want to beat it now because i've put so many hours into it but like i don't want to uh, miss anything i don't want to rush you know and continue with the main story but then miss a lot of the side stuff as well because that you know it's it's it does feel like a universe because like there's so many different planets to go to and there's so many different like missions and objectives and you know things to discover so i do want to see as much of it as i can because like I, I may never get to play this game again because there's so many other games out at the moment so i, I do want to get everything out of it you know while i'm playing it at the moment um so but yeah the, there's so much coming out like persona's out there's still games in the past that i want to play so you know it's kind of hard at the moment um because i want to beat it but i also don't want to miss anything but i'm i'm still really enjoying that game uh, i don't know why it was you know um so harshly judged when it first came out um you know i was listening to some podcasts the week it came out and stuff and like people were really negative about it and i was like wow like it's not that bad like you know there obviously there was those issues and there's definitely issues with um bugs and glitches and stuff but a lot of games have you know glitches and stuff of that nature but it doesn't stop this game being a good game you know it's just the fact that it's not as good as the original trilogy but it, it still stands on its own and it's still a good game um but yeah besides that nothing else really didn't have time for anything else well, hey, we, we fully understand that. There's uh, quite a bit of games that uh, still need to be finished. I'm pretty sure all of us, uh, there's a couple games we want to finish. But, um, yeah, uh, we are going to get into Mass Effect later, as you said, so I'm not going to say too much on, on that. But uh, I will just say this. Uh, as for what I have been playing, I have not been playing Mass Effect Andromeda. I, I wanted to continue playing it, but, uh, you know, there's a couple games that I have been playing for review. Uh, Blackwood Crossing, which is a game I spoke about last week. I actually just completed that game a couple of days ago, so I am going to have a review done for that game soon. I'm aiming for it to be tomorrow or Tuesday, but uh, pretty much I would just say this, you know, as I said on the last show, it is like a first-person adventure game. Um, it's a very unique game, but uh, I don't think I was prepared for the subject matter that they tackle in the actual story because it's very emotional type of story um deals with a lot of themes of loss and it's it's it's, it's sad in many areas but you know i know that the you know the team that made the game they wanted the story to be interpreted uh multiple ways so that you don't look at it as just one way that they're trying to tell the story but with that said it's still a very emotional game you know, it is about a brother and a sister. They're going on a trip on a train. But as the story unfolds, you find out why they are going on this trip. And you find out there's actually more to what you are actually experiencing as a player. So it's um, it's hard to really describe in a sense, other than to say that it is very emotional. You know, you'll have certain parts where you are connected to the characters and you'll feel sad for the current situation that they are in but then also wonder why certain things are and it doesn't really explain everything because again it leaves interpretation in there for you to try to figure out what's going on and even with the ending it, it can be interpreted in many different ways but it's still one of those games it's very it, it will tug at your heartstrings a lot 
So I don't really know if it's a game that I would recommend that everyone should play. I will say, if you want to get a game that has a lot more emotion in it, then maybe you might want to check it out. It is made by a company called Paper 7 that's based out of UK, and a lot of people on that team actually work for Disney. And you can see that when you see the characters, the way the game is designed. It looks like it could be like a cartoon for like a, I don't want to say Pixar, maybe another studio on the same level. Um, but it's just, it's hard to describe. The, the subject matter is just, it's very, very dark, very deep when you, when you get into it. And I don't know. Just look for my review soon on the game and I will try to explain more about what the game is and without giving away, cause it's very hard to describe the game without giving away any spoilers, but look for the review this week. Um, I've also been playing the sexy brutal. Uh, this is a game that I mentioned on the quarterly report. Uh, I just received that code a couple of days ago. So still taking some time to play through that game. And that pretty much is like, it's a murder mystery type of game. You basically are, it's a, uh, a casino slash mansion that you run. And all of the serve, you know, all of the, the people on staff in, in the mansion are actually trying to kill the guests. So you have to try to figure out the, each puzzle and try to save each guest. And, you know, pretty much the way it's set up is each member, you know, each guest member has a mask that they wear. Uh, once you do save them, you, you take their mask and you gain the ability to, to do something else. So pretty much you're going from different rooms, you know, trying to spy on what's going on in different rooms. You can look through the peephole. Uh, then as you get masked, there was one mask in particular that I got from a guest, which uh, enhances my ability to hear what's going on in another part of the mansion. And that will just pretty much it's an endless cycle of you having to save these different guests. Um and of course, if you fail in doing so, then it just keeps starting over. So if you ever seen a movie like Groundhog Day, that's essentially what it is. Everything just keeps starting over again until you get it right. So the game by itself, you know, this is a game that is made by Cavalier Game Studio um, and also the Tequila Works, who are releasing Rhyme next month. So this is another game they've been working on on the side. So they've been a very busy studio. But the game right now is... It is a game where it does require time figuring out certain things. Some puzzles are easier than others, but I'm enjoying the game so far. Um, so I'll have a lot more to say about it in my review, which will be coming to the site at a later time. Again, I'm not really sure how fast I'll get the review done because I just got the code on Friday. So, But I'll definitely give you guys more thoughts on, on the game this upcoming week at the very most. But um, that pretty much is all that I have been playing I know I had said last night when we recorded the Persona 5 uh, podcast that I was going to play Persona 5, but I, I did have not had any time. And, you know, I understand that this is a game when I start playing it, it's going to be very hard to stop playing it. So I want to make sure I have time, but maybe today I will jump into it after today's show. We'll see. But, um, yeah, that pretty much concludes what we have been playing this week. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump right into the topics and actually, the first topic is about Persona 5. Um, so as I already said, you know, Mr. Lugo and I did a show yesterday about Persona 5. We talked about, you know, why it has a high score, which it very much deserves on the site right now. But uh, one topic we spoke about after, uh, you know, well, we did mention that it is a game of the year material. 
But Gary wanted to take this a little bit further. So he posed the question of asking, will Persona 5, with Persona 5 being a niche genre, because it is a JRPG, does that hold it back from Game of the Year glory? So I have a couple of things to say on this, but I want to get everyone else's opinion. Gary, since you posed this question, how about you go first and let us know what you think? Yeah, now, like me personally... I like from everything I've heard about the game, you know, I know it, I already know it's amazing. You know, I just can't wait to play it myself. But, um, you know, I, I feel like we're overdue, you know, an RPG, a JRPG of this magnitude that gets, you know, all the honor and glory and gets to win, you know, the game of the year award and everything like that. And I feel like, you know, what holds them back usually is the fact that it's kind of a, a, a niche genre now. You know, a lot of us like these sorts of games, but, you know, we are in the minority when you look at gaming as a whole, like, cause, you know, m- most people prefer, you know, stuff like Call of Duty shooters and, you know, all that sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like there, there's so many titles coming out, you know, this year alone, like big titles as well. You got Destinies and, you know, all that stuff coming on the way. So like, I feel like there are going to be games that get in the way of Persona 5 winning, you know, um, the Game of the Year award when perhaps it probably deserves it. Like from everything that I've, I'm, I've been hearing and, you know, JJ's review and everything he, he said about it, like it seems phenomenal. And, you know, like I said, I can't wait to play it and experience it for myself. And, you know, then I'll come up with my own, um, you know, conclusions about it. But, I feel like, you know, if this game really is that good, then it definitely deserves to be in that conversation, at least. You know, at the very least, it it should be nominated and it should win, but that remains to be seen. What did you guys think? Well, 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 before everyone gives their thoughts, first I want to welcome Mr. Reggie Butler to the show because I know he was in an accident. Uh, Hopefully everything is all right. You know, there was no issues on the expressway. But uh, yeah, we wanted to welcome you to the show, Mr. Butler. How you how you doing today? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Um, again, I apologize for my lateness. Um, but I'm here now. So I'm I'm doing pretty good. Oh, okay. No, no, it's, it's all good. We you you all good? No, we we actually just started, so no, we're you're in good shape. Um, so I know uh one question we was talking about again. We had posed the question uh with Persona Five being a niche genre. Do do we think this hold that this will hold it back from being a, a game of the year uh, contender? Um, so how about you give your thoughts on that? I know you've been playing the game, so give your thoughts, and then I'll give everyone else's opinion. So right now, um, Persona Five, I'm about three or four hours into the game, and the game is definitely very, very good. Possibly one of, if not the best JRPG um, that I've ever played. It's polished from top to bottom. Uh, as far as um, it being a niche title in the year, uh, I guess it's kind of hard to say because we really don't know what's coming during the later half of the year um, and what games will be in the lineup. But I would I would um, argue the point that if it's not in the top five nominated for game of the year, I'll be highly shocked. Hey. I, I mean, I, 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 I don't think, uh, I, I think it is going to be, I would say top three, if not number one, 
but uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but that's 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 fair, fair thought. So, Mr. Lugo, how about you let us know your thoughts? I know you already spoke about this on the show last night, but feel free to chime in on this. So, to kind of bounce off a little bit of what everybody said, as well as what I said on our discussion last night about it, I don't think the genre is niche. I think that a lot of people are correct in saying that Persona 5 or Persona as a series is very niche. The genre JRPG is not niche because most of the games that have come out within the last year or so, especially the high-profile ones, have been JRPGs. The biggest one lately within the last like year, I want to say, even though it's not as good you know, quality-wise and package-wise compared to some of these other games, would be Final Fantasy XV. And also, in addition to that, we recently just had Nier Automata. Now, Nier, granted, it's more of an action game. It still has uh, RPG elements uh, related to it. And also, Nier has a lot of Japanese elements related to it, you know, that are littered throughout their experience. So the genre itself is not niche. But definitely, I would agree that Persona as a franchise is very niche. Now, the thing about that is, and like I said in our discussion, I've said for a while since I've been following Persona 5, is that... Persona 5 is a game that's going to launch Persona as a series into the mainstream. This is going to be the entry of the series that gets a lot more people putting their eyes on it. Uh, And a lot of people that I've seen and that I've interacted with and that I've looked at on social media have said that jumping into Persona 5... One, a bunch of them have said once they finish it they're going to go back and play Persona 4 Golden or they're going to go back and try to play Persona 4 if not Persona 3 because at least a lot of people myself included have said that Persona 3 is really where uh, the series started to become more of like what it is now and, you know what it eventually evolved into with Persona 5 so that's like a lot of like you know the recommendations that have been going out to a lot of people that are just discovering Persona for the first time and I still stick by it I said it yesterday and I'll say it again Persona 5 is that game that you want to show someone that has never played a JRPG, if not never played a Persona game in general. This is a perfect or a solid, solid uh, entry point for anybody into the series. Uh, One of the other things, too, that I will say is that this is also a good way to get other people into or people that have never played JRPGs into the genre because this doesn't become intimidating with some of the more crazier aspects of JRPGs. You have a lot of really in-depth or really deep RPGs or JRPGs that are out there like, uh, what is it? Um, It's actually uh, getting a sequel very soon. Uh, Nino Kuni, perfect example. That's a very intimidating game, very intimidating uh, sequel that's also coming out because that has a lot of like complicated elements related to it that people get very kind of offshoot by because they know about the time investment, they know about the stuff you have to keep track of, and all these other elements that make up a JRPG. But Persona kind of introduces those same things to new players or to players in general uh, without becoming overbearing. You still have to keep track and stay on your deadlines of a whole bunch of different elements and be able to grow your character with the ebbs and flows of the game. But it doesn't become complicated to a point where you get off put or you get turned off to it, which I really think is a very strong point. To the, to the testament to the experience that you get from Persona 5. This is why I said, like, right now, at least for so far at this point in time, it's a strong contender for Game of the Year for me. It's a very strong testament to how 2017 is as far as, like, you know, the year in games. And it's you could stack it up as a package, as a total experience to many of the other games that a lot of people are giving a lot of high praise to. And 
in our discussion, I mentioned Horizon Zero Dawn. I mentioned Nier. I mentioned even Ukulele to an extent, even though a lot of people have been very mixed on it. But there's a lot of these different games that I've been coming out or are going to come out that I still think that Persona 5 should still be in that conversation as far as the best games of 2017 thus far. We still got a lot more that are coming later this year, but it's going to be a very interesting discussion by them. Absolutely. Agree with all those points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Max, any thoughts? Well, I haven't actually played the game yet, but um, echoing what everyone else says, it really seems like something that would be a game of the year contender, if not almost a surefire win. But um, I wanted to bring up the point that um, while it can be considered kind of niche, like JJ was saying, not the genre, but more Persona. However, this time around it's doing very well, so people are starting to open their eyes up to it a bit more. Um I think it's also important to note that the people doing these Game of the Year awards are also in the minority, the ones who will be playing these games as well as all these other games. So if it is really as good as everyone's saying, which I have no doubt that it is, then I don't think it being a JRPG would necessarily hold that back from that at all. Because the people doing these awards are the ones who are playing all the JRPGs. They know, or if they don't play them, they at least know about them and they're playing all the other games to compare to it. So if something like Destiny 2 wins when, if it just like reviews poorly, but like it somehow still wins because of the franchise and everyone still buys it and plays it, like it makes me think that the game of the year isn't really a game of the year. It's like the most sold of the year or something like that or most popular, you know? So I have to imagine that it being kind of niche wouldn't affect it. I would hope not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very good points. And I would like to make a quick comment. And this is, this is the point where uh, I will make a very shocking comment, and I have to go after Gary. Uh, I think that, um, no doubt about it, Persona 5, I do believe it's it has to be in that discussion already. It, you know, uh, the other two games I would agree with, it definitely, I think Nier needs to be in that conversation, and, and Horizon Zero Dawn. Now, with that said, I, I heard Gary, and, and now you, Max, also mentioned Destiny 2. Um, nah, man, I don't think Destiny 2 has a chance of getting that. And we already know Mass Effect Andromeda. I'm a huge Mass Effect fan, but there's no way in hell that that will be a Game of the Year contender, in, in my opinion. Now, I could be wrong, but... Uh, yeah, well, like, I, I don't think it will... I don't think Destiny, like, quality-wise, I don't think Destiny will be a Game of the Year contender. But I'm, like, I was trying to highlight the fact, and Max kind of touched on this too, that the you know the game awards is often a popularity contest when you know with regards to you know the game of year award like they choose the most popular games and not always the games that represent you know the best quality of that year keep in mind this is also in a year when a new zelda game has come out so i mean you have a lot of oh, strong yeah, oh, yeah. titles that have come out oh, sure. and now granted i think we talked about this uh, i think either last po- co-op podcast or even one prior to that where even though I've never played Zelda, I still understand and recognize how good the quality of the game is, especially from the way that people have talked about it. In the same way that I talk about Persona and people kind of get enticed, you know, hearing all these good things from myself and other people, you can say the same thing about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And it's going to be very interesting because all these good quality games that are coming out in 2017 that are near 10 out of 10 experiences, like solid, excellent recommendations for all these titles that have been released, it's going to, they're all doing different things. They're all doing a, a variety of different things that really pull people in. The one common thread 
that I've seen amongst all of them. And this includes Persona 5. This includes even Nier. This includes Horizon. This includes The Legend of Zelda. Is that the majority of them have a lot of uh, open areas or open worlds that you could explore. And for me, and one of the reasons why I said that, I felt that as a package, Persona was a little bit better than my experience with Horizon Zero Dawn. Is because I felt like it all, even though it's not as wide as an area or wide as a space, you could argue the same thing with Zelda. You know, you memorize, you have memorable moments, but you hardly ever memorize or feel that the areas that you go to are memorable. And that's what I feel like Persona does in a very interesting way, because you're constantly visiting some of those places. They have such a crazy stylized look that they stick with you. It's it's different than having a stylized like open field or a stylized open area that's just vast. And there's not a lot of stuff that's contained with it. Even it's the same argument that you put to a banjo kazooie to banjo tooie. When I, when we talked about ukulele, Rich, I mentioned the same thing that banjo tooie got criticized because the levels were so vast and so big. Even though banjo kazooie had open areas that were still huge and stuff, you still it was a closed area where you felt like you had more to do. And I can feel like the same way amongst all these different games, especially Horizon, especially, uh, what is it, um, uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. You could even argue the same thing with Nier Automata, and I still feel like Nier is still a solid experience. But that's the common thread I see amongst all of them. This is why it makes it so complicated, or it's going to make it complicated, talking about everything once we get to that point later this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in terms of uh, which game actually wins that award, I, you know, I believe that uh, we, I think we had, we already said Horizon will be in that discussion as well. So I don't know. We'll have to see what happens, you know. But as for the this, this you know, the next half of this year, I, I'm not really sure what another major title. If Red Dead Redemption actually does come out, um, well, that's another one that might be in that discussion. But I I still am skeptical as to whether or not that's going to actually uh, make this year. Um, we have to wait and see on that. G- Gary, you 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 uh was about to say something. Oh no, I wasn't going to say anything. But uh, well, I was about to type a comment, but it was you know. Uh, but basically, <laughs> I was going to say that Shadow of War will probably win because uh, Shadow of War <laughs> won. No, well, I, I mean I, I don't know. I don't know about that, but you know, it's. I mean, it, it depends on how they are evolving that sequel. I mean, we haven't really seen too much outside of the gameplay footage that they've shown. Um, and they did describe a little bit about what they're doing with the new system, but I, I don't really, I don't know yet about that. Um, for also, so, like, like, oh, go, go ahead, go ahead, Max. Also, keep in mind that from what I remember, there wasn't a whole lot that came out that year. Like, the Master Chief Collection bombed, kind of, and. I just I can't really think of any major major titles that came out this year. Whereas this year, like everyone's saying, we have Horizon and Neo and Nier and everything. So I don't know if Shadow of War is going to be thrown in there. <laughs> it's going to be tough to pick from, you know, either way this year. I think because I mean, there's already been classic games released already in Core One alone. So it's going to be tough either way for them to to pick those, you know, four or five games for that category, but. And we have a diverse genre pool, too. Keep that in mind. Like, we still have games that are, like, fighting games and even shooters that are coming out later this year. We have mascot platformers that come out or are coming out towards the end of the year. It's a very diverse and very kind of, you know, interesting pool of games. It's not just the same type of game that's all kind of bundled up. And by the time that we start talking about Game of the Year 2017, we're going to have all these different types of games of all genres. Absolutely. this is definitely the year where it's starting to pay off having a next next gen console. Like 
this year. Oh yeah, natural payoff. Yeah, there, there should be nobody complaining about any any shortage of games. So um, yeah, well, we'll have to see what uh, the future holds. But yeah, great titles thus far. Definitely looking forward to seeing whether or not some of these other titles coming out are actually going to be just as good. But um, Persona 5, as I've already said, yeah, I definitely need to get into that. I have the game. I purchased it yesterday, so I just need to make the time to play it now. But um, as for me, do I think it's... It, I mean, I, I can see it winning game of the year. Um, but, I mean, we'll have to see ultimately at the end of the day which game people will remember most this year. I know Horizon, obviously, I've said that multiple times on this show, but I know that that is a character. They love the Aloy character. Um, so if anything, I, I think it may be between that and Persona 5, but I don't, I don't know because I'm really enjoying Nier right now. That could change up when, when Mario Odyssey comes out, when, uh, all these other games that are coming out like third and fourth quarter of the year, that could change up the lineup. That, that's, that's the crazy thing is that we're still only in the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and we have already a, a great pool. Like if we had to do the game of the year awards right now, we'd have a solid grouping of titles that would be within that category. But yeah. we're not done yet, which makes it even more exciting. That's true. You're right. You're right. And again, I know Zelda, this is a game where I heard nothing but high praise. Obviously, haven't played it. I don't have a Switch. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see how everything pans out. But uh, do you guys have anything else you want to say before we move on to the next topic? Buy Persona 5. <laughs> play it buy it and play it like I think I've talked enough about Persona 5 in general but to sum it all up you should be playing it right now agreed yeah, I'm playing in a few days I'm happy can't wait and for those of you who did not purchase it we are going to be doing a giveaway for the game tomorrow so uh, stay tuned for more information on that at the end of the show but yeah play it you know I picked it up I didn't play it yet and even I'm telling you you need to play it so yeah play it so uh, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, this is uh, Gary's. Um, this is the game that he's been looking forward to most this year. And even though we have said that we are not happy with how it has turned out to some degree, Gary loves all aspects of it. So Mass Effect Andromeda, Gary, uh, it got a patch last week that addressed a lot of the animation issues, so on and so forth. Uh, so um, now you ask the question: Is it little too late? Uh, let me a- answer this question first and let me say, hell yes, it's too late. Um, I think that EA, listen, I'm not going to make this, sh- this particular topic about me just firing shots off at EA, but I-, I have to say this about EA. Um, they have a track record of, I think, handling some of their games horribly. Uh, let's go back to Titanfall 2. I've mentioned this on a, a, a previous show, how when this game came out, uh, you know, I guess they decided that it was still a good idea to release this so close to Battlefield 1 and that everybody would just instantly pick this title up. As a result of that, the, the game suffered on the, as, far, as far as sales are concerned. Um, so that's unfortunate. And now the latest issue with uh, Mass Effect, this is a game that obviously it could have used more polish. It needed a little bit more time. You know, like you make a cake. This obviously was taken out too early because I guess everybody was like, oh, I need to get myself a slice of cake right now. I can't wait. Um, this could, needed a couple, like maybe a couple more months to really fine tune and polish a lot of things. 
And I believe that there was a story that came out not too long ago that said that some of the work was outsourced, having to do with the animations. Um, I don't know if any of that information is valid. All I know is that a lot of the presentation, the animations were were horrible when the game came out, uh, and that that actually was went against the you know everything that people was looking forward to with the game. But I will also add that a lot of people had high expectations for this title. And it's very hard to, you know, make this think about this as an individual experience after after you've played the trilogy, because the trilogy was just amazing. This was a game changing, in my opinion, it was a game changing thing for me because that was, this is one series that I, you know, I didn't really know what to expect going in, and then I ended up loving it. So when I played Andromeda, obviously this is on a, a lower level, but it's not meant to be compared to two and three of the last game. But with that said, uh, I still think that the presentation is important. I still think a lot of these things are important. And I think that EA should have given BioWare the, enough time to, to really fine tune this experience. Don't really rush it. I know they were thinking about, well, it's March. This is the end of a fiscal year. We need to make profits. So that's why they said this game needs to get out. But you have to understand that there is a pattern with, with rushing some of this stuff. And they really need to take the time, give the developers what they need in terms of resources if it is a deadline you have to hit okay well think about that and think about what the impact is going to be because now this makes the franchise it puts it in a bad you know everyone is going to be thinking about how horrible this this game was when they waited for it even though it's not a bad game it's not a horrible game but certain aspects of it are not what it should be so i would say the patch is too late uh, that's just my opinion um and it's unfortunate. It, 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 it definitely knocks the series down the peg in, in my book. Um, but again, that is my opinion. So, uh, Gary, how about you tell us what you think about this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, about this um, it definitely is too late because, like, you know, the, the patch is, is great. Like, it, you know, fixes a lot of the uh, facial animation issues and, you know, it looks a lot better now. Um, but it's much too late now because the damage has already been done by the internet. Now, like when something like that goes viral, like you had all those gifs and, you know, people were just talking nonstop about how terrible the animations were in the game. That soured a lot of people away from the game, you know. So you can't repair that damage now because it's done. Like people already have their preconceived thoughts of what this game is. Like, and a lot of people just automatically feel like it's a bad game now even though it's really not like if you put the time in to play it it's actually you know really good game but you know the, that damage has been done already so it is too little too late and like you said ea probably wanted to meet that you know deadline before the the fiscal year ends um it you know it's taken what like uh two weeks now for them to fix the issues so they could have just you know um pushed it back till like april and you know everything would have been fine you know they would have had time to fix that issue and they would have had a great launch you know nobody would be complaining as much you know and uh they, the game would have been much much more well received probably you know but um they rushed it out and you know that's uh, the side effect of that unfortunately but you know i'm glad that this patch came quickly um for you know people who are just getting the game you know they won't um see how terrible it was before and stuff so that's good but yeah yeah we'll see 
We'll see. Okay, uh, Reggie, you have some thoughts on Mass Effect? I know you told me that uh, I believe you started playing it and then you just had to stop altogether because of the issues with the game. Am, am I correct? <laughs> yes. Um, as soon as I uh, I got it, um, I uploaded it. Well, I had to upload it on my PS4. Created my character and proceeded to play and it just... I don't know, something just threw me off about the game. So I said, you know what? They're coming out with patches. Let me put this to the back burner. Go back to Horizon Zero Dawn. And that's the gist of it. You know, that's pretty much the, my playtime with the game. Now, I'm not saying that the game is bad, but, you know, um, you are right when saying that. Uh, I think it is too late because, um, you know, a, a first impression, you only have one chance to make a good impression, right? And... I feel like a game like this, it feels like EA as a company, Bioware, right? Since EA owns Bioware, um, you ha- it's a thing of you have to know what you have and how special of a product it is. And you don't want to tarnish that in any way. So a game of this caliber, you want it to be as polished as possible because that product is a representation of not only the team, but the company. And the fashion that they release this game in, and with all these patches coming, it, it, it doesn't bode well for the future, or, the, or really, the long, I should say, say, the longevity of the title. Yes, it's good to go in and fix these things, but it always begs the question, okay, if you could fix them, if you could fix those right now, before the game came out you know what was the issue the game didn't ha- I, I honestly believe this is just my opinion that this game did not have to come out in the time span in the time frame that it did and that's that's my my point of view on it yep i agree with that um because uh there already was a lot of games that were out in march um this very easily could have gotten moved out a little bit further i know this is a massive game mass effect pun intended but uh, yeah, it, it didn't need to. They didn't need to rush it out if it needed more time. But obviously, I think the investor said, "No, we need to make a deadline. So you need to release this now." And that was it. There was no other discussion about it. Um, but Max, oh, no, oh, go ahead. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that the investor—they're really not the gamer, right? They only want to make money, and. I feel like sometimes you have, in most cases, and EA, they're not the only company that's guilty of this, but if the name is big enough and people will just go off the name and just assume that it's going to be great, that I believe that that's the thing that they're taking advantage of. And it's the thing of, you know, pretty much, you know, buyer beware. You got to, you know, try to research. You as a consumer need to research it before you buy it. And you know how some people say, okay, I'm going to buy it day one. I would just kind of, I would say if you're going to do that, just go on with caution, research the product for you buy it, if you can. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Max, I know that you are pretty far in the game now. You've already mentioned earlier on this show you were very disappointed in uh, some of the things having to do with the new alien race. So now, do you agree that this uh, patch came too late for these fixes, or do you think the game is totally fine? No, yeah, I, I 100% agree that the patch is a bit too late. It's 
like Reggie said, it's your first impression is the most important one. Like people made their minds up about the game. Like it is a shame that it isn't being as well received as I think it should be, and I think most of us think it should be that have played it already because it's a good game, and I really enjoy playing it despite its issues and everything like that. And there are a lot of people that I know won't pick it up because of what they've heard or will just like put it down right away because of what they heard. Granted, there are a lot of other great games to play out there right now, and Mass Effect just didn't hold up compared to them, which is a shame. I think that if Mass Effect was the only game out right now, it'd be a bit different. People would still probably be picking it up and playing it despite that, because there's nothing else to play, but that's really not the case. Like, right now, it needs to be game... Your game needs to be fucking good if you want it, if you want people to buy it at this time frame. So, and not that it wasn't good, but it's not incredible like the rest. And that was its biggest downfall. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, uh, shouts to Miguel uh, in the chat. He just said um, it's like what they did with damn No Man's Sky. Uh, I just want to say <laughs> quickly, um, No Man's Sky should not be mentioned in the same breath as Mass Effect Andromeda. I just wanted to clear that up real quick. <laughs> ah, that's 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 harsh. That's harsh, but that, that's a good one. I have to give him props. That's that's good. Uh, Mr. Lugo, any thoughts? I know you haven't played Mass Effect, but I'm pretty sure you still have an opinion on whether or not this patch is, patch came too late. I know that a lot of people got rubbed the wrong way, and I, I've seen it. I think we were joking at one point, and I saw a couple of people that we know on Twitter. I know I saw Andre Renee tweet about it, and a few others, uh, where they were, they were like, well, I guess I'm an early adopter. I must have been a beta tester, you know? And I can understand that. I can understand feeling a little upset, because from day one, you're expecting the, the the product to be good. I mean, granted, now these days we have to almost expect that there are going to be problems with most games. And funny enough, there's there's examples that show that that's not really the case, which I think it makes it even more comical. But with this one, I feel like there was just so many factors that made this a hodgepodge of bad for everybody involved between Bioware. Uh, EA getting flack for this as well as everybody else that was diving into it early it was just a really bad it, it was one of those things that was inevitably never going to live up to the hype and I remember even back a year or two ago when we saw this the the, the trailers and the, the teasers for Mass Effect Andromeda back when we were at E3 and we, we, we had expectations I think everybody had expectations but it's like these types of things that really kill the faith in, of uh, people in different publishers or different developers and it's very hard to get that back like perfect example we mentioned No Man's Sky and the way that we can mention No Man's Sky in the same sentence as Mass Effect and Drama is that that's another example of a company that that kind of like blew everybody up as far as like hyping them up and such and just did everybody in such a bad way that now nobody has faith in Hello Games anymore or at least a lot of people have very little faith in Hello Games. And I think that you could say kind of the same thing about Mass Effect Andromeda. Nowhere near to the level of, like, you know, severity as it was. But it's going to be a lot tougher of a sell for people to get back into the next Andromeda game or next Mass Effect game or the next Dragon Age game or whatever the next game on the plate for Bioware is because this is going to be in everybody's mind because it's so recent. But, I mean... Does that speak volumes to the entire story of like what Mass Effect Andromeda is? No, I don't think so. I think that, like a lot of other people have said, despite some of those animation hiccups and some of those other things that are less than stellar, if there's still a good game underneath there, 
And I really believe that as someone that's never touched the game before just yet in full. And I'm going to play it eventually. It's just that uh, from what people have told me that I've spent extensive amounts of time playing Mass Effect Andromeda, saying that that it, there is still a good game there. It's still a Mass Effect game, but all these other things is what bogged it down. So is it too little too late? Maybe for a lot of people, not for everybody. I don't think so. Yeah, uh, and, and, I, and I'll add that, yeah, there is still a good game in there because you still find yourself coming back to play it. Uh, I think that is, you know, feeling as though it has some redeeming qualities and hoping that there are still some good things about it. Um, and that, and there is still some good things about it. I mean, I haven't completed the game yet, but uh, I can say that uh, it isn't horrible. I know a lot of people out here, they would just say it is a trash game, you know, maybe two out of ten. It's not that. Uh, but it definitely needed some more time. Um, I will say that. And one comment I did want to make, I know you just made the comment and Garrett, you know, we also had Miguel in the chat mention it. Uh, yeah, with Hello Games, you know, there is a way for Hello Games to redeem themselves. Uh, they have to rename the studio to Goodbye Games and actually make a good game. And then I think they'll be in good shape. You know, that's all it takes. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, if anything, it's like, oh, the, these people who made a shit game, they made a great game this time around. That'll make headlines like crazy, too. That's like free promotion right there. Yeah, and, and they need to avoid space games altogether. Don't even, listen, do not try to do something that you, you know, have this massive idea. No, no. Try to think a little bit more simply. But... Well, they, they had the concept down. The concept was there. Like, I liked, I really liked the concept of that game. It's just the execution. Yeah, well, they'll, they listen. They it, it's not over. You know, I, I want to see Sean Murray do well with his studio. I want them to do well, but uh, there's hopefully is a learning lesson from them all of what happened with No Man's Sky. So hopefully they will do that. And then with, with, with Bioware again, though, as you guys have all said, you know, everyone had a preconceived notion of how Mass Effect is. So I think the team coming into this, they're going to have some issues. Um, trying to make this title as good. Think about the fact they had so many people that left the studio to pursue other stuff. They were going to have some issues making this, you know, its own thing. They tried to control it by saying, no, this is, a, this is an anthology. It's not a continuous story. And then they started taking away different features, so on and so forth. And all of that is fine. But with that said, you know, other things about the game they needed a little bit more time to finish really completing it and making it as good because there, there's no way that somebody who was was at EA, you know, or even someone with a lot of power at BioWare looked at this and said, you know, these animations look fantastic. I think we should just release the game now. They had to know internally. Somebody had to look at that and say, you know, I don't know about this. Um, but again, the higher ups made the decision to just get it out there. So, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, this is the path that the game has taken. And I will add this is that now I'm going to be very curious to see how uh, a game such as Battlefront 2 is going to be treated. With, you know, when that comes out later this year, because I again, I look at EA as the ones behind this because they're the ones that made the decision to publish the game. You could say Bioware. Yeah, it's some blame to go with uh, everybody. But EA as the publisher, um they have to assume a lot of responsibility because they're the ones publishing the product. 
I think it's two different audiences, though. It's not the same thing. It can't even really be looked at the same thing because remember that's a Star Wars game, and that that attracts an entirely different audience that just is not the same way that you would get with just the Mass Effect players or people that love and enjoy Bioware games. Even if it's just a space game, even if it's just the RPG, or even if it's just because of EA fans, it's just that's a totally. I think that's a totally different discussion and a totally different beast. With that one, in that case. Especially with the way that people received Star Wars Battlefront One, I feel like it's going to be a little bit different this time around, where it might be a little bit more positive. Because I'm pretty sure EA is going to listen, but they're going to do like what they always do, and everybody's still going to dive into it anyway. Oh yeah, but see that yeah, as you say, it is different. I, I do think Battlefront Two could be better, uh, but again, to go back to the fact of with EA having this agenda of you know you have to get stuff done, the big criticism with Battlefront One. Where was the story mode? It didn't feel like it was a lot of content. And when you have the actor who plays Finn in the Star Wars movie call out EA on this, complain about there not being a story mode, and that's not a good look for. I don't. I don't think that that really was a big deal. That stuff like that was made a bigger deal than what it was, and that had to do with the hype of obviously the Force Awakens, and it had nothing to really do with the quality of the game. Obviously, and I think I even said to myself, even though I enjoyed it when I reviewed it. Uh, it still needed a story mode. It still needed that because it had the cinematic presentation for it. I just think that maybe what EA tried to do is they tried to battlefield it up. They tried to do it in that same way where it was prior to Battlefield 1. It was more of that same type of like, uh, you could say Battlefield modern combat type of approach. Like it's, if you want to really look at it that way. But I think this time around, they're going to get it a little bit better. They're, you're probably going to have a story and it's probably not going to be that great. You know, especially... <laughs> especially if they don't approach it in the same way that they did it with Battlefield 1. I feel like you could do that same type of approach with the Star Wars universe and make it and, and present it in a way kind of like in uh, similar to how Rogue One was presented as like an offshoot of the Star Wars universe, but have like separate stories in the battle Battlefront uh, S type of, you know, I guess setting like that and then have it where it focuses more because that's what Battlefront is. It's focusing more on the troopers rather than the Jedi and such. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see how that turns out. We won't really criticize that. As you said, uh, two different games. We still have to wait. We still haven't really seen any footage from Battlefield 2 yet. We're going to get that later this month. So we'll see. But um, anybody have any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next? No, I'm good. good. Yeah, we're good. So Mass Effect Andromeda, if you haven't played it yet, um, maybe you should wait for a price drop because I'm pretty sure the price will drop after the sales do not, uh, you know, did not meet the expectations. Um, and wait till all the patches are out there because there will be more patches, not just the one patch that they released. So don't rush to play it. But with that said, it's not a horrible game. Just, uh, you know, you have to be patient with some things. So, uh, this next topic, though, Gary, you know a lot more about this topic, and it has to do with your very your favorite company, Square Enix. So I'm going to let you be the one to describe what was actually said. But yeah, go ahead and tell us what's going on with Square Enix and the Scorpio and Nintendo Switch. Yeah, so basically, like a, a Square Enix rep was uh, re- recently interviewed. And, um, you know, they were talking about everything they have coming up for different platforms, like, you know, whether it's PlayStation or the Switch and everything, because they got some stuff coming for the Switch. And obviously, you know, the person uh, made it a point to ask them, you know, um, 
like how like what's the top priority in terms of you know the platforms you're supporting and are you going to fit the the scorpio platform you know into um your you know new approach moving forward and they were like um no currently you know priority is you know everything they've been doing already and the nintendo switch so they'll be giving more priority to the nintendo switch than you know the scorpio pretty much so you know i guess this means that um they'll probably be doing a lot more you know original stuff for the playstation i mean sorry for the uh, nintendo switch and you know obviously they'll still be doing all the stuff they do on uh, playstation and xbox as well but they're they're not really giving much focus to creating uh, or enhancing their experiences for the scorpio in particular so yeah uh, what do you guys think of that what do you make of it uh as someone that's like talked with square people like like face to face and such i i would say that like any other company they're going to they're going to be poised about stuff until they know exactly what what you know the environment is like because the Xbox Scorpio is not even a console yet we know about it, the specs we know about all this stuff but there is no ecosystem yet there yet because the console hasn't come out so there's no real way to tell other than what we've been told thus far from different outlets what that console what that platform is going to be like with the switch obviously it's out they have a gauge for what the audience is like how much how many switches are out there how many that are going to be out there so it's a little bit easier for them to maybe talk openly about making games for a particular platform in that case in addition, uh, Square Enix has had a great relationship with Nintendo because they had a lot of different games on most of their platforms, including the 3DS, including uh, some stuff, not not a lot of stuff on the Wii U, but on the Wii, as well as, you know, previous Nintendo consoles. But more recently, they've really been doing a lot of good stuff on, on the 3DS, you know, with Bravely Default, Bravely Second, uh, some of the other, like, you know, random Final Fantasy games and other stuff here and there. So that's why I feel like, you know, they would say the Switch because it's a known platform. They already showed some stuff. They have an original game coming out on the Switch at some point. But with when it comes to Xbox Scorpio, other than the developers or the publishers that are a little bit more gung-ho, that are already known to be making games for that platform, which is not really much from my understanding, uh, you're not really going to see a lot of other devs and other publishers, unless like you know they want to speak in a more vague sense, talk about that whether they're going to favor one platform or another. So I, I think in this case we don't have a lot of information to really kind of like really get understand the full picture and understand the full story for you know in in Square Enix's case uh, because we simply don't know the full story about the Xbox Scorpio. So I I read this is like again a PR talk thing because if they really wanted to they would obviously have all their games on every platform and everybody would buy them in, in droves. But it, it's just the reality of it. Now, like, yeah, you, there, there's definitely points to that. Uh, but I also wanted to, you know, bounce off of that and ask you guys, you know, does this kind of reflect how um, other publishers might be thinking currently in the sense that Scorpio, like enhancing their games for the Scorpio, whether it's adding new textures, you know, 4K textures or enhancing the visuals and all that stuff. Like, are other publishers not really seeing it as that much of a priority right now? Like, do you feel like this reflects other thinking from other publishers? I'd say, yeah. And I think part of that is because Microsoft has come out and said that they don't expect everyone to jump on board with this, that it's more for the elitist kind of gamers and everything like that. So 
not that it would be dumb for them to focus on the Scorpio, but it makes sense that it's not their top priority at all. And like JJ was saying, it is a bit early. Like, we still don't know what the Scorpio is going to be, if it's even coming this year at all. Whereas the Switch and just in general, Nintendo consoles and Square Enix tend to get along better than Microsoft does with Square Enix. But, um, I think that because the Switch is already out there and people are buying it and it's selling well and it's doing pretty well, like that makes sense that they're going to target that first and do that sort of stuff first. Keep in mind also, Japanese company and Microsoft has a really bad track record for their consoles in Japan. So that's one thing that's specifically for Square Enix. But going back to your point, Gary, as far as other publishers and other developers, maybe a lot of them are under NDA. And I think a lot of that stuff, the lid's going to get blown off during E3 is especially if Microsoft talks more about the Scorpio. Maybe they'd reveal games and publishers that are on board developing games that are, you know, focused towards Scorpio. And and even then, I would argue, like, a lot of the developers or even publishers probably wouldn't be doing so. They'd be developing it for the Xbox One, or at least they would have that in mind, more so than the Scorpio, especially if there's going to be a lot of other logistical things that come into play as far as, like, making some of the older games or more modern, recently released games look better, you know, or upgraded in some fashion, or if they're going to make an entirely new experience that's geared towards being on the Scorpio, being the best experience. So that's why I say, like, we don't have a lot, enough info right now, and I don't think we're going to get it till E3 or even after them. Okay, uh, I, I have a question to ask, and, and I think that, uh, Reggie, I believe you were in a position to answer this question, so... I I think that if there is a company that is taking time to actually make enhancements on, for their title for PlayStation 4 Pro, they, they may consider uh, Scorpio. But I wanted to ask you, Reggie, because I know you have a PlayStation 4 Pro, um, have you noticed a lot of developers actually putting out better versions of their games on PlayStation 4 Pro, or is this something where they're still trying to find... You know, really, really, un- really try to see if it, if it, if it, if it's worth their, uh, if it's worth their time to do that. Okay, so um, with the pro, um, yes, I do have one. I do thoroughly um, enjoy it. Um, but one thing to take into account is that uh, the system in itself is still fairly new, and because um, the mandate is that the PlayStation, the OG PlayStation, or the base PlayStation Four games have to run on the on the on the pro um that's something that i feel like most developers are still coming to coming to grips with so maybe everything we see now while it looks pretty um i would say i would i think it'd be hard to argue that the system hasn't been totally optimized for yet we may see things uh down the road you know as far as the uh you know what what can be done with what's in the box um you know i'm almost certain you know sony pretty much like nintendo and microsoft has a couple of tricks up their sleeve um so you know that's where i'm at with that but i would say probably if you want to gauge the, the barometer on a real good optimized uh a game that was built with the pro in mind all it takes is for you to look at Horizon Zero Dawn. No matter whether you got the 1080p screen or if you have a 4K screen uh, panel, even better. Especially if it's HDR. You know, that, that's an example of just, I think, with as beautiful as Horizon is, because make no mistake, it's a beautiful game. 
but you can almost imagine okay what what could happen going forward right and i think you know this may be a case with uh square enix and the and the switch uh as jake as um jake said um the you know it all deals with the culture right and in japan um you know they do a lot of stuff with mobile and the increases in that obviously square enix they're paying attention to that so you know that's probably why they want to side with it um with dumb and with final fantasy 15 in particular and the pro um I would say with it still leaves a lot to be desired. There were some mistakes there. I think they should go back to the original patch. Um, no, I might be going off kilter here, but uh, just trying to answer your question in a roundabout fashion. Um, but I think that that's a um, one issue where okay, it was running good before, then you want to try to reach the uh, sixty frames per second mark, but find that you couldn't do it. But then you put you still put the patch out anyway. So it's still a, it's still it's still the early days yet, and I think the same is going to be for Scorpio. You know, it's still attached to the Xbox One. They got to keep the Xbox One in mind. So you know, it's, it's yet to see what games we're going to see. You know, um, through each of through each of the consoles, so to speak. Yeah. No. Good. good yeah. Pretty much good points um, all around. Um, and yeah, you know, I know uh, you guys already mentioned, and I'm also going to give a shout out to Mr. Jazz09 in the in the chat because he said the same thing. You know, Microsoft uh, in Japan, that's uh, not really something that works well together. A lot um, of the games aren't just not made for them. You, you got to understand. I, I know people have talked about it in various social media, but a lot of the games that get released on the Xbox One that are especially the exclusives, they don't really, uh, they're not made with a lot of either Japanese values or the Japanese design philosophies in mind. They're more westernized games. And there's nothing wrong with that because Japan, much like any other place in the world, plays just about everything. But they're going to favor more of the games that are more attuned to their culture, more attuned to their audience. This is why you have a lot of anime-based games, a lot of JRPGs, obviously, a lot of role-playing games in general, a lot of action-based games that have a lot of pulls and influence from stuff like manga, stuff like anime, stuff like sci-fi. Uh, and while more of the Western type of like developed games, whether they're RPGs or not, do pull some influences from the other side, they're still more geared towards an Americanized or Westernized audience, whether it's Europe or here in the Americas or even down in South America and stuff. So that that's the problem. And it has nothing to do with the level of quality that the Xbox is bringing to the table because that could be debated. That's a very subjective thing. But it has everything to do with the way that the audience receives stuff because... The Xbox brand does well over here. The Xbox brand does also well in Europe, but it doesn't do well in Japan. That's not a testament to how bad the console or the ecosystem is. And if I may add to that, it's the thing of, um, in the case of Microsoft, even though Phil Spencer um, recently went, went over there, it's no secret, um, that was put out, I want to say, uh, maybe... Um, on Twitter. Two, um, two, Right, he put out on Twitter. So it's been about a month or two now since he went over there. So whatever deals were made over there, we'll have yet to see them. Right. E3. The one thing is that E three. Right. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> but uh, 
it's a thing of where they don't cater to the Japan audience, right? So if you look at um, a company like like Sony, they not only cater to the American audience, but they cater to wh- whatever region that they're in. So I'll give you a prime example. Um, Gundam. Everybody knows that anime, right? Now, while those Gundam games may not work in uh, a Western region like America, but over there, they work. You know, mainly whatever the consumers want, Sony will find a way to give them what they want. But Microsoft, they don't do that, right? Um, the thing with Microsoft is they're trying to procure games from Japan um, and China to come over, come over here to um, come over to convince them to, to make a game for the system for the Western audience because there's a small group or a group. I'm not going to say small because small can be subjective, uh, but th- there there's a, a, a calling for these games to be on there on the system by their fans, right by their base. Um, but one thing I would say with that in in reference to uh, Microsoft, right? Time is going to be a factor because the fruits of their labor may not, you may not see them. You're probably going to hear, we're probably going to hear about them at E3, but when are you going to see them? Who knows? You know what I'm saying? It could be a year or two off before the fruits of the, before the, uh, the, uh, what I want to say. Yeah, Yeah, the fruits bear, yeah, yeah, like that. Uh, Let me add on to that as well and say, and now when that does happen, the question is, will the fans actually buy those games on on the uh, Xbox uh, Scorpio? Because the support of the other games they have released so far, it it just hasn't really been there like it should be. You know, you look at games like Sunset Overdrive, stuff like this, and you think that these are going to be great sellers on the console, but people are just not really, you know, buying these games. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, Gary. Uh, I was gonna say, like, Microsoft are sitting on some IPs, man. Like, they, they can bring some stuff back, I think. And I, I don't know who actually owns this IP, but, you know, you mentioned Phil Spencer going to Japan and stuff. Like, if they were to announce a Lost Odyssey 2 or Last Remnant or, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, what's that game? Um, the one by the Dragon Ball Z guy and the Final Fantasy guy. You mean Blue Dragon? It's Microsoft. Yeah. Stu- all yeah. all oh. those studios are under, or all those games, with the exception, I think one of them is under Microsoft Studios, especially Lost Odyssey. The problem is, though, is that a lot of those games, even though they're they're critically acclaimed by a lot of different places, especially in niche audiences, they didn't sell. So that's right. why Microsoft never capitalized on, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah but like, that. What, what Microsoft needs, though, is they need variety, like forget what sells like you need to give gamers a variety of things you can't just like you know give them the same thing over and over well, here, well here's the thing oh, go ahead go ahead go ahead and i was about to say um in the case of blue dragon um there is a blue dragon game that i believe is on the 3ds if i'm not mistaken yeah it's the sequel or, uh, or a pseudo like right. Oh. right so that's kind of you see if it, it it's a thing of it, it it has to sell right and, it, and it's important that this is how I feel about it. If you as the consumer are asking a company for a product, right? No matter what it is, it could be a game, whatever, but in case we're talking about games, right? Um, but if you ask them for if you ask them for a specific type of IP, 
and they bend over backwards to give it to you you should buy it you should support it and i think that's the the underlying issue with uh the the um um, eastern games on, on the xbox there's not enough people even though there's people asking for them when they come they don't buy them and that's why it, it, it is putting it builds the perception as okay yeah you want you want their fans want these games but they don't buy them so therefore why should i take a chance in going after these ips if they if they don't do them another thing is that microsoft um they really don't sell in japan um at the, the console and i and jake he alluded to this earlier and it, it all goes back again to them they, they have to cater they have to cater to japan if you want to sell whatever region you in you know if you if you in the the back corners of egypt and you only got five customers you need to cater to those five customers period that's the only way it's going to work that's the only way yeah, yeah. You're, you're very correct with that and you know also i like to always go back to this all the time like because rome wasn't built in a day and you know just look at uncharted one like that wasn't you know that successful like it, it you know it did sell but like it wasn't majorly successful but then they dropped uncharted 2 which was significantly better they worked on it refined it and everything else and they had a hit right there you know so if they bring back some of these ips and actually you know put a lot of work and effort into it promote it like they should and everything like that who knows like they might have a new hit right there so i feel like they just need to try things they can't just like abandon ideas because they didn't sell like you know Right, and uh, I would say one IP that I've been asking for to come, asking for the IP to come out for years is Jade Dragon. If they could bring that IP back, man, oh man, I, they might have me. They, they might have me, but hey, it just remains to be seen. Well, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, and you know, when we are done recording this podcast, I'll be sure to send this to Sony because they, those are the one. That's the company that's more likely to. Oh yeah, we'll definitely get that. Yeah. yeah. Um. But hey, this is a. I say it's a very good topic. Very good questions. Uh, I mean, we'll have to see what happens with the Scorpio, uh, Square Enix. You know, I give. You know, I'm not surprised they will support the Switch over. Well, there was to make Switch a priority. That makes perfect sense from a business standpoint. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens with Scorpio once it actually gets out there, and who actually is going to put in the time to support it. Um, right. We'll see. But uh, since we're already talking about Scorpio, we have to jump into now the main topic, which I feel this is going to be a, a pretty lengthy discussion uh, because there's quite a bit of things to say about it. So. Obviously, earlier this week, you guys recorded a uh, you recorded a react based on the Xbox One specs, and then I know that Reggie and I were on the throwdown to also talk about this stuff. But uh, the question for today was a question posed by Gary, which asked the question: Will the Xbox Scorpio outsell the PlayStation Four this year? Uh, there's a lot to really discuss with this particular topic because I, I don't really think it's a very simple. I, but I, I, I don't think it's a very simple answer you can give to this because we still don't know what the price of the console is. But uh, in any event, we're going to basically give our thoughts on the whole situation. So, Gary, how about you go first and let us know 
what you think in terms of whether or not the Scorpio has the potential to outsell PlayStation 4 and why you think how you think that is even possible in the first place. Okay, uh, let me give a disclaimer here. Like, cause yeah, I, I came up with that title, but it's based on, you know, something that was published on, uh, you know, uh, VG247 and basically someone from the NPD group, they actually said that they think that the Xbox Scorpio could outsell the PS4 this year. So this comes from them. So don't, you know, crucify me. Don't come after me in the comments and stuff. So yeah, I just wanted to have the discussion because, you know, that's what I enjoy. So yeah, um, does it stand a chance of outselling the PS4? Now, from everything we know about the Scorpio so far, like, obviously it's, it's going to be a beast in terms of specs and performance, you know, and everything like that. We already know it's going to be a beast machine. Um, it's probably going to be steeply priced, which could, could work against it, depending on how they handle the pricing and everything. Um, and you know, the, the big thing we always come back to is, of course, games. And, um, we don't know what the, the first party Sony lineup is going to be this fall. Like we, we can speculate that we might see God of War and Days Gone and things like that, you know, this fall, but we don't know what the first party lineup is going to be. Uh, we, we have a good idea of some of the big third party titles that are coming. So, you know, if you, um, weigh everything up, I don't know, man. I don't think, I don't think it's possible to be honest with you. Um, there's, I don't feel like there's going to be that much interest in buying the Scorpio to the point that it will outsell the PS4. Um, I just don't see it, you know, like, and especially because they, they came out and said themselves, um, in that one article, you know, they, they, they were quoted as saying that, uh, they don't mind if this doesn't catch on right away like they want it to be an option for those gamers who specifically want a more premium experience so you know they they don't mean this to be like the next thing that overtakes you know the all xbox console sales they just want it to be for those people who want it so when you're making statements like that that also works against you i think so yeah i just i don't see it Honest to God, I think it's a non-talking point. And I think, unlike Rich, I think that we could we could sum this up our thoughts, you know, pretty quickly. And I think if you give an easy answer, it's that, number one, we don't know because we don't know enough about the Scorpio. And I think that that type of statement coming from someone that works with the MPD stuff is, is another person that just doesn't know much more about the console than we all do. With the exception, the only people that really know about what the console is, is the people working on it right now. Or besides the people that went and saw some of the hardware at work and, and seeing fours are running on Scorpio hardware. And even then I still say like, you don't have enough info. You don't have enough detailed uh, data to really decide whether, or at least give us some sort of like even an inkling or inference about whether Scorpio is going to outsell PS4 this year. The main thing that we all need to wait for, which I think will be a telling sign of maybe if it being the case, even if it, if it comes out this year at all, or whenever it decides to come out, whatever year is the lineup of titles. And the reason why I say that at E3 is going to be very interesting to see what Microsoft talks about, because we got the Scorpio reveal as far as what the hardware is and like what they talked about and what they revealed to the to the press and to the world. But now the conversation, like I said during our reacts to it, the conversation at E3 during their Xbox uh, was it E3 press conference should be all or at least the majority should be focused on what games are going to be playing on this thing. And then once we know that, 
whether it's one game, whether it's three, four, maybe five games, if not more or less, then we'll have a better idea of whether this is going to be something that everybody gravitates towards more than the PlayStation 4 or the PlayStation 4 Pro or whatever. I think that's a very big, important aspect about it. Besides the price point, I think the price point obviously is an important thing. Same thing with the release window, because a lot of people are saying $4.99 at this year, and even then, uh, nothing's official until they actually open up their mouths and talk about it. And so E3 is really where we're going to be able to get a better idea of this. But as it stands now, nobody, I think, is qualified. Not even the MPD guy that's quoted in there is really qualified qualified to give an idea of like whether this should be or even an opinion of really whether this is going to outsell the ps4 or not because you could say that about any other console you could say that you could have said that about the switch when it was coming out that it has the potential to outsell the playstation 4 or outsell the xbox one and that's exactly what everybody else was saying but i mean once we found out other facts and we found out actual real hard facts about what it was and what the ecosystem was going to be like then we could have made a better judgment about that but as it stands now nobody can Uh, uh, before I get to uh, Max and Reggie's opinion, I'll just throw this in there. I think that was a very good explanation. I think um, that uh, I, I think you, you use very polite words to describe MPD. I'll I'll say that I believe that person is maybe a little bit delusional um, because yeah, there's no information yet. Um, one thing I did want to mention is that uh, I know that as we've already said before, you know, we said that the software is important. Yeah, the, the power of the console is important. I, I have seen a lot of people uh, that have made a, quite a bit of comments about the fact that, uh, you know, well, this generation has been about the third-party titles, and it's been about pretty much them performing better on PlayStation 4, which, yeah, you can say that to some degree, um, but I don't think just because Microsoft has... The Scorpio is more powerful than the PlayStation 4 Pro, and because that there's a possibility that a lot of those titles will run better on play on the Scorpio, I don't really think that's enough to say that all of a sudden it's guaranteed guaranteed to be a major major game changer. I mean, I think Microsoft, you know, Phil Spencer has been very open in saying before his focus is on the first party lineup, and I think that they need to that needs to remain a focus. It's not something that's going to change uh, dr- dramatically. You know, we already know that Crackdown, you know, a couple of these games will come out this year. There's no confirmation as to whether or not they, when they're going to come out. But Crackdown is a game they've spoken a lot about. Sea of Thieves, State of Decay 2. They've been talking a lot about these games, but they haven't really shown much much footage on them. Uh, so I do believe that we may get some of those games at launch, which is fine. But one thing that I, I know Max mentioned on the last podcast, don't really think that any of those games are game changers in that sense. And I do think Microsoft, they definitely do need to bring a title that they haven't really spoken anything about yet, or at least introduce us to a title that they are working on, because it may not come out this year. Um, but I do agree that they definitely need something else, uh, because while you can say the third-party titles, yes, there's a valid argument to say that, you know, people will pick up the Scorpio version of Shadow of War because they think it, this is, well, this is going to run a lot better. It's going to be a higher resolution, all this other stuff, 4K. Uh, that's fine for people to say that. It's no problem. But it, you can't use that as an excuse to say, well, Microsoft doesn't need to work on first party titles. No, they need to work on first party titles because we look at their track record so far this generation. 
where they will announce something and then they will cancel it and then they will turn around and say well this is good for gamers there's no way someone who is a fan of xbox can be happy to see that because a game like Scalebound, which is a game a lot of people are looking forward to uh it you have to wonder why you know why we should just accept that and be like okay that's it no i believe that phil knows that he wants to bring quality games to the fans but again we have to see that and we have to see them actually put in the effort to do that uh they've already done a good job with games such as uh you know you could say uh a few of the titles i mentioned earlier um that they have that they did try to work out but they did not sell well but i just think it's going to require a bit more effort especially with scorpio because you have to convince people why for those that are interested in it why they need to pick it up i don't think anyone's just going to pick it up if there's no quality titles on it but again this is just my opinion but max feel free to share your thoughts um i'd have to say most of what's needed to be said has already been said like you guys are right like we just kind of need to wait at this point we don't really know much about it they need those first party titles and like you were saying like shadow of war yes scorpio people can say they're going to get it but how many of those people are there you know like you can have a handful of scorpio people go get shadow of war and that's great good for them but that doesn't mean much when majority of the people are still getting it probably on pc ps4 or even just the normal xbox one i don't really see this console selling out the ps4 at all or outselling the ps4 at all and whether that's because microsoft says that's not their intention or because of the price point or because of lack of games or whatever i think honestly even if they had a killer lineup um i still don't think it would outsell the ps4 because unless it's hella cheap which it's not going to be there's almost no way in hell it's going to be super cheap because price is a thing you know people don't have unlimited amounts of money that's very important to consider and i just I just really I'm so confused by all of this kind of stuff. Like I just don't really get where they're trying to go. I don't know their intentions. And yeah, you're they're being quiet about a console that's not really new, but just the way they're being about this thing is kind of weird and I just feel like we we should know this kind of stuff. We want to know this kind of stuff because we people need to make this decision, you know? And I don't know if E3 is going to be enough time. Maybe it will be, but just people, they've bought their consoles of choice by now. Some are waiting on the Switch. I feel like for the most part, this just isn't going to break huge ground unless they have a really, really, really killer lineup. But even then, that killer lineup can be got on Xbox One in the first place and most likely on PC as well. So I don't know. Yeah, good points. Okay, Mr. Butler, the floor is yours. <laughs> okay, so um, I do agree with everything that's been said, um, including um, um, Jake when he said that, you know, it's most likely a non-talking point because we really don't know. But because we don't know, um, that doesn't mean we, I guess we can't talk about just certain things that I feel that need to be I guess kind of put into perspective, right? And uh, Max actually um, kind of touched on that. One thing, I'm going to have a couple notes here, so I'm looking on my phone. Um, the budget and, um, and the price. So off the bat, uh, those are the, the, the first two things. As Max said, people uh, have a finite amount of money. If you're like me um, and you just bought a 4K TV and a PS4 Pro, uh in, in essence, 
you know, as far as speaking on myself and maybe others out there too that have done this, you know, you pretty much already upgraded, right? So in essence, do you want to, I guess most people have to ask themselves, do you want to upgrade again? And uh, whatever the price is, if it's $3.99, if it's $4.99, what's it worth? Is that uh, enough for you to to buy into um, what they're saying, right? Um, do you have the money to buy into it? Are you treating us like the cell phone model where, you know, you get a phone and every two years, you know, you get the upgrade or however you do it. If there's no contract, then you get the phone whenever you want. Um, but it's good that there are options, right? Um, another factor, um, we do know that more 4K TVs um, are being made and this year is projected that um, over 80% of people will buy uh, 4K TVs. Now, although that number that number has been out there, or that number's been put out there, we really don't know until, pe- until people start buying them. Normally, they buy them around the holidays or whatever. So we'll see. Um, another thing is, um, you know, the talk of 4K Blu-ray, right? A lot of people um, keep, even to this day, I just heard it this morning on, on another podcast, they keep bringing up the thing about the, the 4K Blu-ray, right? Which is a feature that's in the Xbox One and it's going to be in the Scorpio. But there are not enough studios that are making um, 4K uh Blu-ray experiences like that. One company in particular is Disney. Right now, they have a vast library of probably the most iconic movies out there on the planet. And I mean, and that can be up for debate. But when I say that, um, you know, um, I mean, it's all opinion, but the Marvel library, uh, the Star Wars library, right? Everybody would imagine that those movies would be immaculate, but they were immaculate on 4K. But because no one, because a lot of companies haven't jumped on board, and Sony hasn't really put their own out there yet, because they own, I think they're pretty much on the format. Uh, you know, this it's not a big, it's really not a big deal. I don't know why that's a big sticker point um, for some people. And then it's um again, what's this worth to you? Um, one person, um, I'm not gonna mention the name, but they said that 4K 60 frames per second was set them apart will set uh, Microsoft apart from the pack, right? But in order to get that 4K 60, you'd have to um, jump to that system in order to get that because that's not available on the 1S or the OG Xbox. But consistently across the board, right? Um, whether you're getting uh, 1080p 30, 1080p 60 in most games, that is most prevalent on or those fr- um, not the 4K frame rate, but just in general, the PS4 and the PS4 Pro, it, they're already doing that, so the games already ran better. Um, one of the things I was bought it was could third-party games um, be the tipper point? Some people uh, make the assumption that okay, they're going to run better, so I'm going to have this platform as my third-party console, right? Well, the argument I would make for that is if if you have a console that are already that was already running the game good. How much better can it get? Because we're reaching a point of diminishing returns on graphical fidelity. Yes, it would be native 4K on that, on that, on that, on um, the Scorpio. No doubt about that. Nobody's crediting that, right? But if you, the average customer, if the average consumer goes up to a screen and see both games side by side and they honestly really can't tell the difference, like let's say for instance, on the PS4 Pro, Mass Effect runs in, um, 
in uh what is it 1800p right but on a on a pc on a, a you know a, a beefy rig it's it's um full 4k if you look at them side by side well it's really almost not that much of a difference right so that's so that's the thing to look out for um the the lineup right max touched on it the, we won't know about games until e3 so the games have to be there right uh the first party lineup has to be there i would argue if it's if we get kind of the same stuff or games that we have seen before i don't know how that's going to go over well um if we see a halo if i see halo come up on that screen i'll roll my eyes like the nini leaks gift from our housewives of Atlanta because it's just too much of the same but that that's just me personally but um it's you know you can have a beefy machine you can say all about that you want the power has never won a generation it's all about the games so if the game lineup is attractive to you then you know it, you know so be it um another thing is time um i mentioned before that um it's not like they're going to build games from the ground up for Scorpio, right? Obviously, they have to keep the Xbox One in mind because basically the system is built not only to enhance your experience, um, but or the experience of the, the game worlds that they have in their stable. But um, lost my train of thought. Uh, oh man, lost focus. Uh, well, we'll come back to that, but um, yeah, it, it's just going to take time to really see what they come up with, right? Oh, that's what it was. So, being that they have to keep the Xbox One game, games in mind, you got to think, okay, how much farther can they go up? Because it's not like this is super, super like it, there's going to be an exclusive game for the Scorpio. Also, you got to keep in mind if you have a PC, you can play it on PC, and if you got a PC that can run the games, well what's the point of getting a Scorpio right um and the last point that I want to bring up um is variables so what I mean by that is um you know everybody like to play the chess move right and being at the guy I mean I did read that article um that was posted about you know the Xbox Scorpio potentially outselling the PS4 um I don't see how that is possible really outselling it two to one and the sales are upwards of 30 million they got 30 million units up on the actual um microsoft uh, system right so could it outsell it in the states maybe you know we don't know they're pretty pretty much close um stateside but on a global landscape it, it's, it's not possible right um i would say by the almost by the time they really get on scorpio um, you know, going in, you know, let's say uh 2018, you know, things really start to come to fruition as far as what they've been doing. We could potentially be looking. Um, I think you should start to hear whispers about the next generation coming to, you know, as far as what Sony is doing next. So that's always something to look out for. But um, let's say that hypothetically that the Scorpio is priced at four um at four ninety nine, right? Okay. If that's the price and that's on the high end, right? So let's say Sony decides, hey, we're going to do a price cut. We already know they got some deals with some third party games. 
but let's say they decide okay we're going to lower the price of the scorpio not scorpio the ps4 pro to 350 and throw red dead redemption 2 in that bundle right that right there changes the game um because no matter how it's going to look on scorpio you got to think man okay i got it i already got to pay this amount of money to get that experience when i can just go on the low end and i get the free game it's cheaper because you got to think about it people they want that value right they don't want to pay out a whole lot of money to jump to experience which they could have had which they could get somewhere else and it could be perfectly just fine for them right again you know everybody's not going to have a 4k tv they're really going to have a 1080p screen even though microsoft is talking about 1080p that it, that it will have benefits the main focus is 4k that's all they're talking about so if you got a 1080p screen that's another question you got to ask yourself um and um what was the last point i had um yeah that's um i mean that's pretty much all i have to say on it uh i know jake got some uh, points he want to bring up so have at it so so here's the thing it it really has nothing much really to do with what you were talking about because you brought up some interesting points but i do want to address something that max was telling me that was in the chat that i saw uh, about power that we're downplaying power i don't think anybody can really downplay the importance of power in a console power really what they're talking about is like how good games look on the actual console how how shiny and how quote-unquote realistic it, it looks because when you're really referring to power at least the majority of people are talking about power in a console power in a game when it's projected on your tv screen they're talking about how realistic things can look they're not really talking about stylized stuff they're not talking about how things can actually move as much as how much they they look in the light or the dynamics and the lighting and stuff what what the thing is about power that you have to understand is that power becomes utterly meaningless when you don't have something interesting to do on the screen. And the thing about the Xbox Scorpio, and you can even argue technically with the Xbox One to an extent, which is you know, as far as the progression in the mindset and the philosophy moving on to the next platform, is that like like i kept saying before when i go to e3 the majority of the stuff that should be talked about is what are we going to be doing on this console not just about how it's going to look and not just why it looks so good because i think we even said it on our our actual uh what's it called our our reaction to the scorpio news is that uh the majority of people do not have a 4k tv and i don't think the majority of people are going to dive into buying a 4k tv especially when not only the the 1080p hd tvs are a lot cheaper but also the majority of their money is going to be either going to the console going to the games or going to other stuff unrelated and i think you know with the way that people talk about it sometimes they put a lot of stock with it being the future and what people have in their houses and stuff. And I don't think it's realistic. Like in the same way that they talk about VR, even though VR, though it's different with VR because VR is a new and interesting way to play games. And they just haven't mastered the tools of the trade yet in order to present us like quality experiences like that. You could argue some examples here and there, but like stick with me for a second. So with, with the Xbox Scorpio, it does have a lot of power behind it, but all that's going to be completely meaningless if you're not going to have something interesting to play and to go back to a point that you brought up Reggie with with Halo 
Okay, the reason why I say Halo is going to be interesting, and that's probably the game I expect and I want to see at like an at this year's E3 conference for Xbox, is because not only the brand recognition and also the the synonymousness with Halo being part of the Xbox ecosystem. Because if you want to push something out and you want a flagship title to really get people's attention, that's the title you go to for the Xbox. You don't go to Gears of War, even though it's still a big title. It's a big franchise in its own right. But people know right. Microsoft and they know Halo. And with that being the case, getting a new Halo where it not only looks good, but it plays interesting. It gives you a lot of the stuff that people love about stuff like Halo 1, 2, and 3 from the Master Chief Collection, or even some of the stuff that you saw in Halo 5. That's what's really going to get people excited. That's what people are going to be like, oh, you're playing Halo on the Xbox Scorpio, whatever they're going to call Because I don't think it's going to be called Scorpio at one point. I think that we're going to get a name change, in, in all honesty, because that's still just a codename, in my opinion. But there needs to be experiences there that take that same level of power, that same level of graphical fidelity, and make you do something with it in interesting ways, not just looking at it constantly. And I'll tell you one thing that's going to be interesting. If we get the, the announcement of a new Forza game at, at E3, because Forza was the game that was demoed for people that went to go see the Scorpio and see like how it's going to look in, you know, with the 4K textures and stuff, and that looks good and dandy. But if that's the same type of experience that we get and there's not really something that we're doing that's interesting in there, a lot of people are going to be down about the Scorpio, myself included, because I want to be able to do something fun with that power. That's the same problem that I had with the Xbox One and why I just gravitate more towards my PlayStation 4 most of the time is because I want I do more stuff that's a little bit more interesting with how the besides how good the games look. Yeah, uh, excellent, excellent points. Go ahead, Max. That's why Nintendo still does well. That's why the Switch is doing well because no, it's not about power. Like I was saying in the chat, Zelda can barely run at 900p, but that thing's still selling great. It's not just about power. Power is important. Like we want Zelda to look gorgeous, of course, but. At the end of the day, the game is still fun as hell, and that's what matters. The game still got 10 out of 10s across the board, people loving it, even if it didn't run very well, even with all these frame rate issues and all that stuff. Um, I just want to speak to, uh, well, Jazz, thank you for listening to the show. But we're not downplaying power, right? No one here, I think I speak for everybody on a, on a podcast when we say we're not downplaying the power of the system. What Microsoft has pulled off from a technical standpoint is nothing is nothing short of spectacular. However, power has never won a generation. It has never won a generation. Um, dare I quote a, a saying from Darth Vader in Rogue One? It will be wise for you to be uh, to not to choke on your own aspirations. In saying that. You can have all the power you want, right? But like I said here, if you're not doing anything inter- interesting with it, it doesn't matter. Um, another thing I would like to add is that a lot of these franchises that Microsoft have, right? You know, people already have issues with seeing in their portfolio Forza, Gears, and Halo all the time, right? That is something that has to change because point um jake's point if you're not doing anything interesting with those titles but showing us how pretty they look and what you can do with it and it it really is not going to make any make any it's really not going to hold any weight at the end of the day right um whether the car is whether honda is blue or black 
at the end of the day, it's still a Honda. No matter what engine it has in it, it's still a Honda. But it's the 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 interesting things that, that you're able to do with it, right? Microsoft, I feel this just me personally. These are my, my opinions and my opinion alone. My opinions alone. But Microsoft, I feel is there are they are notorious for what I call the slave mentality effect. Meaning that, okay, you gotta put this game out right now and we'll you got this much time to work on it and, it, and then you gotta get it out the door, right? I feel like some of their games from a first party exclusive standpoint don't get enough time to bake in the oven. Prime example is Recore. When I first saw that game at E3, you know, oh my God. The feeling I, I got was that, that okay. I was a little burnt bad yeah. by that. I repeat it. <laughs> right. Right. It was like, okay, Microsoft is doing what I want them to do, right? They're coming, they're getting ready to do wildly imaginative new IPs and taking the step in the right direction. They they didn't let it cook long enough, right? I still feel to this day that that game could be that game could have been something special. It could have been something that would really galvanize the the, the Xbox community, not on the Xbox community, but the gaming community in general. Because we all we want to see new games, we want to play new worlds. But the thing, in we want to play in new worlds and new universes. But the thing that we don't like is when you create a world. And it's half realized. I mean, I'm talking about everything from the environment to the protagonist to the story, right? They have to. That's the thing right there that separates Sony from Microsoft. Um, that separates Nintendo and Sony from Microsoft. Nintendo and Sony, they will give their developers as much time as they need to to create the games that they want to create. So much so, so to the point where you see a game like Horizon Zero Dawn and these come, they are able to create the, the type of games that they want to, they, they're able to create the, uh, their, um, their dream, their dream piece, right? Uh, or whatever you want to call it. But with Microsoft, you know, if you got a company, they're always making Halo, this company always making gears. That, that, that's the crux of the situation. So, that that's the thing when you know i feel like uh th- th- it, there's there's deeper deeper elements than power right and in a nutshell what i'm really saying is that you know th- there there are some deeper issues i mean th- microsoft they, they've taken the risk by making this console right but i feel like there's there's other issues that they have to solve and it has to start with let with Microsoft letting their first party studios create other franchises that we haven't seen before outside of the ones that they create. Because only then I feel that you will be able to see what power like what what they can really do with the power, the, the interesting things that they can do. Not to say that they can't do those in in the original titles that they have come out, but again, going to Horizon Zero Dawn, the kills on games. You know, some people liked them, some people didn't, right? But look at Horizon Zero Dawn. The lessons that they took from that and made this incredible, immaculate-looking game, it's, it's, that's what it's all about, man. So, again, it's, it's more to it than just power. Power is nothing. Look at the 3DS and, look at the 3DS and PlayStation Vita. Which one's still standing? That's, I'm going to leave it at that. 
summon up just like that. See? Ah, man, this hey, there's a lot of great discussions. Uh Gary, you had something you wanted to add before I add in my quick little thing? Yeah, just to address uh that statement that you know we're downplaying the, the power and everything. Um shouts to Master Jazz. I appreciate you being a part of the show today. You know, and um I hope you don't see this as, you know, we're kind of ganging up on you or anything like that. We're just, you know, it's just conversation. But I do want to address that and say that um, nobody here is downplaying the, uh, the the power of the Scorpio because, you know, we're all on record in saying that we're impressed with what they showed, you know, on uh, Thursday. And, you know, it's kind of unfair to say we're downplaying it because that's not what we're doing at all. We're just uh, like the, the, the question of today's show is, will Xbox Scorpio outsell the PS4 this year? And that conversation is based on, you know, something that was said from the MPD group. So we're talking in terms of this year and we're looking at things this year alone and we're gathering the information that we already have to make an assessment on whether, you know, we feel that it's possible for the Scorpio to outsell the PS4 this year. So we're not downplaying anything. We're, we're, you know, giving the console all of its merits and who's to say what will happen next year? Like, you know, obviously, when E3 comes around, we're going to know a lot more about what's to come in the future and everything of that nature. So there could be a point in time where the Scorpio takes over, you know, the Xbox starts selling more than the PS4 and everything, you know, but that's, you know, that's not the discussion today. The discussion today is this year and all we can do is gather the facts we have so far. You know, there's been numerous statements. Um, Max actually sent me a screenshot the other day saying that you know um there's only going to be like a few um first party titles like state of decay sea of thieves and crackdown and stuff of that nature and they're going to be relying heavy on third party stuff as well so if you look at that like you know and compare with what could possibly come from sony then you know it doesn't look good in terms of scorpio outselling the ps4 so that's all you know the discussion has been about today specifically we're not downplaying anything yeah yeah i just want to add something real quick now first and foremost i think everything that you guys have said has been i think it's been excellent excellent discussion so i don't really have too much more to add but i do want to say this yeah i i agree again just to emphasize we're not downplaying power you know i bought an xbox one day one launch edition and I have supported Xbox since the beginning, way back to the original Xbox and the Xbox 360. Where the point I'm coming from is not so much power. Yes, the Scorpio, which, you know, maybe it'll be called the Xbox One Pro, although I hope they do not name it that. But whatever it's called, the Scorpio is impressive. The specs sound impressive. It's great. It's good to know that it's going to be a powerful system. And, and, and obviously from coming from Microsoft, which, you know, they handle computers and everything else, you know, they should have a powerful system. So I'm glad to hear that. What The point I'm coming from, though, is the first party lineup. Because, again, you know, we're not I'm not going to compare Sony. I mean, we, we compare Sony enough on this podcast is fine. But the first party lineup to me, this this is very important. This is very, very important that, you know, I feel Microsoft, they've had a lot of a lot of issues this particular generation when you've had titles they were working on, stuff that they have announced and then just canceled. And 
I think, you know, it, it'll be kind of ridiculous to not point to not to not see this stuff and say, well, yes, they need to be working on other titles because the software is important. Um, the same way we talked about earlier in, in this particular discussion, how the pro can be dropped uh, later this year and that there could be a game that comes out with it, like Red Dead Redemption. Now, keep in mind, there are still other PlayStation 4 exclusives that could also come out. You know, we, we know Detroit, uh, that game may be coming out this year because there was already a video that came out and said 2017. Um, we know that Spider-Man, another game that everyone is looking forward to. I don't know one person that's not in, excited about that game could be coming out this year. And then God of War, the list goes on. You know, we don't know what other titles Sony may be releasing, but I think it's I, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to see one of those games this fall. And I just think, again, it comes down to what are you offering in terms of the lineup? Now, Sea of Thieves, that game can turn out to be great. It can be. Crackdown, I'm really looking forward to Crackdown 3. I don't have any idea what to expect because Microsoft hasn't shown us any footage uh, more up to date about what we're actually going to see. State of Decay 2, I enjoyed the first State of Decay. So I'm looking forward to the sequel. So, yes, any of these games could turn out to be a huge success. And if they are a huge success, I'll be the first to give them props and say, I'm glad I was wrong. Excellent. But for now, I'm just saying, and, and again, you know, I don't really think it's it's uh, bad to have some doubt about Microsoft when it comes to these titles, because, again, we haven't seen or heard anything about these titles all year so far. So I think it's it's, it's totally fine to have some skepticism. But again, I'm not downplaying power. Scorpio sounds impressive, but I have to see a lineup that is going to be like, okay, now I'm convinced, you know, because again, this is a year where they're going in. There's no Gears, there's no Halo. We know this. So it's going to be very interesting already from that standpoint, because we're going to be able to see, does Microsoft have the ability to do something different outside the box from what we already know they can do? So E3 is going to be very telling with that. But with that said, Again, we're not downplaying power. Will I be picking up a Scorpio? I'm pretty sure I will be picking up a Scorpio because my Xbox One, it's reached its limit. But with that said, still need to see what they have to offer. Third-party titles are great, but I want to see what does Microsoft have to offer as a studio. Third-party titles are going to be good no matter what. But yeah, we need to see what the triple what the first-party team can do. So that's all I wanted to say. Um. But yeah, I think we've all said enough on this topic. Does anybody have anything they want to say before we wrap up the show? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's you know, we all just here speculating, guys. You know, just talking to everybody in the chat. But overall, it's a it's a very very exciting time to be a gamer because you know each you know with every with anything new that comes out. It, you know it brings inspiration new technology new things right so you know it's i'm looking forward to what we're going to see um i'm excited i'm excited for e3 but you know always uh me personally always keep my expectations um at zero uh that just me personally because i want i want to be impressed by by what's shown so it's a very excited time you know if you're a gamer be excited it's only it's only gonna it's only gonna um you know about what microsoft is doing it's only gonna bring more to the gaming landscape we don't know what we're gonna see in the future you know 
So that's all I got to say. Anyone else with final thoughts before uh, we get ready to wrap up this topic? No, we're all set. So, yes, that concludes today's show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We thank you all for checking out the show. Um, One thing to quickly add on, as I mentioned earlier on the show, we are going to be doing a giveaway for Persona 5. This is actually supplied by Mr. Reggie Butler. Um, So just to give you guys a few details, uh, tomorrow we are going to be putting up a post on the site where you can pretty much enter to win to get to get a copy of the game. Uh, we do ask that uh, you live. It will be it will be preferable that it, you actually live in the United States, you know, because, you know, we don't want to have to ship nothing overseas because this is a physical copy of the game. Um, but, yeah, tomorrow, you know how we normally do a giveaway post. We're going to do a giveaway post for this tomorrow. And, you know, you fill out the form and I'm going to be selecting somebody from that based on, you know, we're going to do, you know, we'll, we'll probably give you maybe a few days to fill that out and you'll have an opportunity to win it. Also wanted to take the time to announce we are going to be giving away another game. We're going to be doing a poll for the next game uh, that you guys want us to give away as well next week, but that's going to be after we do this giveaway. So tomorrow morning at approximately 9 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to say 9 a.m. Eastern. See, you can see I'm a little off right now. 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Come back to the site. We're also going to be talking about this on Twitter to let you guys know when the post is about to go live. As soon as it goes live, fill it, fill it out. And I will be contacting a winner sometime later in the week. But you'll get all the details in the post. Just look for that first thing tomorrow morning. And good luck to everyone that does get a chance to enter. And for, and the, for the person that wins, I will be in contact with you soon. But um, definitely thank Mr. Butler for that because this is a giveaway that he wanted to do and we're thankful for that as well and again as I said we'll also be there are going to be other opportunities to win other games because we are going to do a poll for the next giveaway after that later in the week as well so as I said that concludes this week's show so I would like to thank Mr. Butler for being on do you have any final shout outs that you would like to give sir um I just asked everybody, uh, thank you for having me on the show. Um, it was an honor, a pleasure. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, just tell her, um, I just want to tell everybody out there, you know, um, you know, be blessed and keep gaming. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Be blessed and keep gaming. I like that. I may have to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Glad to have you on. Uh, okay. Uh, Mr. Lugo, any final shout outs you'd like to give? Uh, just shout outs to everybody in the chat that's been interacting and been talking with us and been watching. We had a good number of people in chat today, which is awesome. Really appreciate it. Uh, shout out to everybody sending me feedback and sharing around the review for Persona 5 since that's the game that we're giving away and stuff. But we really appreciate you guys uh, checking out the review, letting everybody everybody know about it and giving feedback, giving your own thoughts about it. And, you know, checking out also our review discussion about it because I, I really wanted to do that because, again, besides being the first game that I gave a full 100 to, I felt like that it was deservedly so to keep the conversation going about it. And I thought that was pretty cool. So besides that, shout out to all the patrons. Obviously, thank you for 
your support. Thank you for allowing us to keep giving you guys great content. We have some more content coming to patrons. We also got some more content coming that's going to be here on the YouTube channel. I mean, me and Gary and Rich have been talking about very soon doing a whole discussion about the DC Extended Universe. That's going to be a convo that's going to be a follow-up to what we did about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I can't wait to dive into that. That's going to be fun. And we got some other stuff coming very soon. Uh, I can't say what I'm going to be doing, but I'm going someplace this week. I'm going to be gone for a day. And when I come back, I'm going to have some very special exclusive stuff that you guys are not going to want to miss. Not just for here on YouTube, but also for this website and also for next week's co-op. So I can't wait to share with you guys what's going down. It's going to be very, very exciting. But thank you. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, there's some very exciting things in the works that uh, you guys will definitely be seeing and hearing about more. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, Max, any uh, shout outs you would like to give? Uh, Yeah, as always, thanks everyone in the chat for participating. It's always fun to talk with you guys and I will see you all next week. Sounds good. And uh, I'm going to give my shout outs before I let Gary take the floor. Yes, again, I would like to thank everybody that did check out today's show. Um, We appreciate the continued support, the Patreon subscribers as well. Uh, Look out for that contest, that giveaway tomorrow, and then we'll have a poll, I believe, on Friday for the next giveaway. So definitely look out for that stuff. Um, And yeah, you know, just keep gaming. Like I said, you know, we talk about a lot of different stuff on this show. Don't uh, take it uh, personal. You know, we're not taking shots at any particular company or, you know, we just like to, you know, we, we're very passionate gamers. So we have a lot to say about a lot of different things. And I think that's important to say some stuff. Everyone should have an opinion. So as I already said, looking forward to Scorpio, enjoying my PlayStation 4. And I may get a Switch, maybe, but we'll see. So, Gary, the floor is yours. Yeah, just um, <clears throat> sorry. Shouts to everyone in the chat. Uh, shouts to Dreadhead because he called uh, P- he called Persona Five Cracksona Five because it's so addictive. That was hilarious. I like that. That's um, funny. <laughs> yeah, and um, shouts to Reggie for the giveaway as well. Make sure you guys you know keep checking the site for that tomorrow and try your luck. And of course, big shouts to all of the Patreon supporters. That's M. Collins, Sean Gorety, Michael Hatcher, Stephen Ferron, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Lelwyn Leslie, Nicholas Alvarez, and Nick Biazzo. Shouts to all you guys. We appreciate the support. Definitely uh, be on the lookout for more content. And also, I have to remind you guys um, to, you know, we have a new podcast feed now. So if you have been subscribing to us on iTunes, you need to um, subscribe to our new uh, podcast feed on iTunes. So open your your podcast app and, you know, go search for the coalition and you'll see the new logo. It's on like a dark background. Please subscribe to that one. And, you know, even if you don't get your podcast that way, it would help if you, you know, at least like left a review and a rating for us on there and you know look out for us on things like stitcher radio too soon you know we're in the process of uh, managing that soon and if you do resubscribe to that new feed um there's already the the marvel discussion on there that we that jj was talking about where we talk about you know we break down the marvel cinematic universe and what we think of it and everything that's upcoming and we're going to be doing the same thing for the dc universe very soon so 
yeah, definitely look out for those shows and look out for more content overall, which, which you know, is helped by the people who support us on Patreon. So shout-outs to everyone, and um, thanks for your support. Shout-outs to everyone who joined us in the chat. Uh, I think we, we might have broke some records today because I saw a lot of people in there earlier. Like, I know it was, I think it was close to 30 at one point. But yeah. Uh, nice. I love the discussion and everything. So shout-outs to everyone. Also, don't forget about turn-based that me and Gary did a little while back. That that should also be on the same thing, right? That we did about Kingdom Hearts and, uh, what is it, and uh, episode Gladiolus? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's coming up. That I'm actually going to put that on the new feed as well because I didn't put that on the feed yet. But you can, you know, if you go to our YouTube and the site, it's already on there. But I will be putting that on the feed as well. So look out for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Once again, thank you all for the support. Thank you once again for being on the show, Reggie. And uh, we will talk to you all next week.